Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest today is Nadia Troncini, uh, who just released a book about the Dr. Valentino Rossi. If you're a MotoGP fan, this episode is a must-see and hear. We talk about what Valentino is really like uh, away from the cameras, uh, what he's like, what his uh, rivals thought of him, and also we talk about the dreaded 2015 year and what happened in Sepang, her thoughts on Sepang. I think you will enjoy this episode. Enjoy this episode with Nadia Troncini. One, two, three. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. And you know what? Today actually is my birthday. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate my birthday than with one of the uh, a great sports journalists. And uh, not just a good, a great sports journalist who I met at a presser, one of the, a MotoGP presser. And she is... Uh, what she has just done, she just released a book on Valentino Rossi that I can't wait to talk to her about. She's a sports editor for El País in Spain. Um, and I seriously thought that she did not like me, but I found out I was wrong on that. And maybe it's just her, her face. She's all business. So now we're going to get down to business. It's my pleasure to produce, uh, to present Nadia Tronchoni. How are you, Nadia? Hello, fine. Uh, congratulations, by the way. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I like to keep everything a surprise. So, yes. So, I, I can't think of a better way to celebrate my birthday than with you talking about motorcycles. If, if we talk about motorcycles, then I'm happy. If I'm doing this show, I'm happy. So, it's nothing but happiness on this side of the Atlantic. Right. So, yes. Right, so, right. first of all, I want to know, we're going to get into the book and everything, which I think is going to be great. But how did you get a master's degree in football? Uh, good question. Uh, I always loved football. I mean, uh, my father was those, uh, well, is one of those men that watch every football match is on TV. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter if it's uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, or if it's Getafe, uh, Osasuna. I mean, <laughs> he watches everything. Uh-huh. So I guess as a little girl, I watched my father playing and watching football. That was the first step. And then I love sports. Um, it doesn't matter what. And when I finished my career, I I was collaborating with the radio, and there was a doctor in football there in a in a in a chat we used to do once a week, and he started to tell me uh, to tell me. I'm starting a new a degree in football. You should be here because there's no there's no women, so you should be here because you love it, and you're going to learn a lot of things. And it was like, okay, but I just finished my career. Yeah, but you should be there. You should be there. I will help you. And he convinced me. And actually, I learned a lot of things. It was great, and I love it. So that's why. What, what, what kind of things did you learn? And what kind of career did you have, by the way? What kind of was it? A sporting career? Journalism. Journalism. Okay, okay. So, and then what's your favorite team, by the way? I know you live in Valencia, so what's your favorite team? Is it going to get you in trouble? I No, no, no. <laughs> I live in Barcelona since I started covering MotoGP, uh-huh. but I'm from Valencia, so I love Valencia. Um, I love Valencia, but my father is a Barcelona fan. Uh-huh. 
So, uh, are, is, is, so is, it was like a kind of reivindication, you know, personal reivindication. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I remember when I, the first time I went to France, I mean, the first time I went to Spain, I landed in Madrid. So I, I spent the night in Madrid. And that was when Cristiano uh, was uh, with, uh, with Real Madrid. So I got all this Real Madrid stuff and I got the scarf. And I'm one of those people that just gets in everything. I got the, the hat, I mean, the stocking cap. And I took a picture of it. And Bradley Smith goes, whatever you do, don't bring that here. <laughs> and I was in Valencia. He goes, whatever you do, don't bring that here. Oh, so, no, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> I, yeah, so I got all that, and then he leaves the, the club the next year. So now I, I basically threw it all away. So, yeah, so I know how intense that football is. So, now, so are you the, how many uh, uh, siblings is it in your family? What? How many siblings, like brothers and sisters? I have a, a brother, a younger brother. Okay. Now, were you, were you like a, a, a daddy's girl growing up? Uh yeah yeah I guess so. Okay. Did you, did you do any sports? Did you participate in any sports? I used to play. I used to play basketball. What position? Uh, what position? Uh, base. Do you, do you say base in 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 America? Like the like the five? Uh, yeah, the five. Yeah. You played the five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. Could could you shoot? Could you shoot? Yeah, I could. I, I mean, I was not the, the best in the team, huh? but <laughs> but I love practicing. So it was just when I was uh, when I was a child. Uh, after that, I spent a lot of time without uh, practicing any sport. And then, you know, when you get to the thirties, you have to do something because if not, <laughs> you're finished. So I started running, yoga, and 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 kind of a bit of gymnastics and everything. So you seem uh, very athletic. You're a very athletic woman. Well, I like it. I like it. I have no much time now, but <laughs> <laughs> now, now, where did that love for motorcycles come in from? Uh, you know, I started uh, watching a lot of kind of sports, uh, but when I was uh, asked to do the to be the the journalist specializing in motorcycle for the newspaper. I used to see much more Formula One than motorcycles uh -huh. um, because it was that time that Fernando Alonso was uh, in a very, very good uh, form. He he had won already with Renault, all those champion, those two championships and everything. And it was like a Alonso fan. And I'm not now uh, anymore. Why? Why? By, by the way, by the why, way. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? What? He's a hard person. He, he, he has a hard personality. He's he's not so nice. So easy. So so, <laughs> so easy going boy. You know, I met him in the Dakar two years ago, uh -huh. and it was difficult to get to get him. But but anyway, and my my editor in chief asked me. Do you want to do, I don't know if you know anything about motorbikes, but I would like you to try it. And it was like, okay, uh, great. I'm going to travel. I'm going to be everywhere in the world. So uh, it would be great. I will learn uh, whatever, whatever I, I need to. So I always watch it, but I, I was more a Formula One fan than motorcycles. So, so now, are you a, more of a motorcycle fan than a Formula One fan? Even though yeah. you do, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. do you have a passion for it now? I mean, is there a passion for motorcycles now? Yes, uh, because I, I'm that kind of person that when I understand how a sport works and when I can learn a little bit, I, I get passionate 
suddenly. Uh, so being there, you know, I used to write about football and here in Spain, football players, I like big stars. Yes. And they know they are not easy to get uh, either. So when you start in a paddock and you see you can talk almost every day with the riders, you can get to the mechanics, you can have um, extra information almost from everyone and you can write great stories. It's a very good way to, to yeah. get a, a lover of the sport. Now, do you, when did you start? I grab, when did you start the, like the love? Like when you first started covering it, so you're in a different element. And when did you st- start realizing these guys are maybe on? Now, I personally think I don't know. I've never been to a Formula One paddock, but I personally think that if you're a good motorcycle racer, you can trans. You can easily go to cars more than a, uh, a race car driver can go into motorcycles. So when did it become a passion where you saw like, wow, these guys are on a different level? Um, the the speed they get you cannot understand uh, when you watch a race on TV uh-huh. so when you can watch them on the track side it's another world and apart from that I was like um, uh, astonished seeing how they could do this change of directions you know mm-hmm. do you remember Pedrosa he was super small yes. and he was so elegant with that uh, that's the thing I admire the most uh-huh. <laughs> of the races they do how they can go so 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 down and suddenly uh, put a motorbike up and go out of the of the corner now was it more of a uh, was it more welcoming when you went to MotoGP and what years did you go what did you start covering MotoGP I started in 2010 okay First year, I was lucky for the for for the professional part uh-huh. uh, because it was first year Lorenzo won the world championship. Uh, we had then we had only had a, a, a Spain a rider winning the five hundred championship that it was Cribillé and that was in uh, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a lot of years that. Uh, young riders won in the small categories, right. but never in MotoGP. And when I arrived, uh, Lorenzo won in, in MotoGP. We had a very young market starting in one to five. Right. And that was very funny. So do you feel like maybe you're a pioneer in covering it since your first year was in and watching Lorenzo win, like you said, since such a long period, you know, a long absence of a Spanish champion. So you were kind of there in the genesis of the new generation coming. Like Lorenzo yeah. was part of that new generation. So do you feel like you were at the genesis of that? Yeah, yeah. I was a great spectator of that and how the work that the, the Spanish Federation had made since uh, Cribillé won, uh, they grow a new generation with, with Lorenzo, with Pedrosa. And after that, they grow a new one. They, mm-hmm. they, were, they were like uh, trained on asphalt because Lorenzo and Pedrosa, they started quite late for what we understand now. Yeah. But market generation, for example, or, or Rins, 
Amir, all these uh, kind of, of riders, they already started uh, practicing on, on, on asphalt, on an actually track with little motorbikes with a, a very a very low uh, cylinder. Uh, when when Lorenzo and Danny started, they jumped directly to a one to five. Yeah, it was so small. <laughs> yeah. Now, what, now, what's the difference you noticed between the F1 paddock and the MotoG paddock? And MotoGP paddock? I've only been in an F1 paddock like two or three times, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know it very well. But I think they're, the riders are like stars, like super players. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are much less people much less fans in the paddock than we are used to see in MotoGP mm-hmm. and and maybe there's a glamour point no it's a different different point no with 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 MotoGP I always feel that just motorcycles in general no matter how much they've come up and, and been, you know, in, in mainstream life or whatever whether it's scooters or or whatever there's always that element of a rebel to motorcycle racing or just motorcycles in general. So I always feel that motorcycles are always kind of just a little bit off the mainstream. You know what I mean? That's why I feel. So it's a little bit, it's still kind of a bad boy element to it. That's what I feel about motorcycles. Well, if you think about it, you have to be a bit crazy <laughs> to, <laughs> to be on a motorbike and get 300. And you have to be a crazy dad to put your uh, kit at the yeah. age of five yeah. <laughs> on a motorbike, no? Right. Because now that I'm a mother, I would never um, imagine uh, to push my my boys <laughs> to yeah. be on a motorbike, you know? Yes. I would be scared. I don't know. No, no, I know. I, I, I honestly, I, I like... What I see sometimes, but it's behind the it's behind the scenes, and you've probably seen it more than I have, where there's some parents who really, really push their kids to the point of it's kind of like, like, hey, you know, are they are they enjoying it? Because even I think Lorenzo's talked about that, where his dad kind of pushed him, and he really didn't enjoy it. And I know I know Johan Mir talked about that, where it's like he wasn't enjoying those championships, well, because he had to win, or basically they didn't eat. So what have you seen as far as that goes? Um, what I know is that most most of them were pushed at least at the beginning mm-hmm. to, to try or to get good results. Um, I also think, like you said, that they have to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if all that kids that we see now in MotoGP enjoyed when they were like eight or nine year olds, no, competing. But that's the point they should they should get. For example, I think Vinales enjoyed, but sometimes because when she, he didn't won, it was not a good day for them in the family. So that's a big pressure, and maybe a big pressure they they carry on during uh, all their career. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, when you first got into the paddock. Who stuck out to you like you gravitated to or who stuck in your mind like, I got to talk to this guy? Like, I mean, even though Lorenzo won, he was a champ. But who made you go, huh, made you look this way? It Kind of like kind of like how last year Remy Gardner won the Moto2 and he was a champ. He was a great champion. But for some reason, 
I always looked at Raul Fernandez. He was like, to me, a little bit more interesting. I don't know why. So who stood out to you in, in MotoGP when you first entered the paddock in 2010? I think it was Mark. I mean, because um, at that moment, uh, it's true that we were used to write more about lower categories than we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, now we, we focus on, on MotoGP and we only write about the lower categories if there's something very, very special happening, mm-hmm. like with Pedro Acosta last year, for example. Um, but that guy... You could see um, he had something different, and he won races from the back. He loved uh, the show. Yeah. He wanted to be a showman in the track, you know. Yes. And that was different. And and some years after that, when he was in Moto Two, I remember my editor chief told me that is this guy actually so good, or are you are we selling something that, that there's no sense in? The- no, believe me, this guy is quite good <laughs> because we wrote a lot about him and we were not used to write about a young rider as much as we did with him. Well, you know, I felt the same way because I remember I, I came in probably about three years before you, but I remember in 125s, I was like, this kid is something different about him. I remember when he was 125, and I remember when he had a chance to win a championship and his bike broke down. They were trying to get it back together because they had to oh, get it together. It. Yeah, they had to get it together. If not, he would have been, you know, he couldn't have erased. And he was just so calm. I mean, he, I mean, it was they, they were frantic, but he was calm in that front. And I was like, there's something special about this kid. And everyone in the pit lane that day at that moment was trying to help them to get the bike again ready for the for the race right that was amazing i mean seeing ktm guys and people from other teams are giving them some pieces trying to 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 make the bike again that was super special and i think that was because everyone was thinking this guy should be on the race we cannot let him uh, not to arrive to the to the green light and and not to race this race, no, because he was fighting for the championship. I think it was two two races left, Portugal yeah. and Valencia. Because I mean, it, there's well, there's something about special people. They know when special people. It's like, yeah. it's, like a, it's like a pretty woman. Like if you walk through the door, you're like nobody in. And you walk in, you go, you know what? You can come in. It's like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of let pretty people in, and you let the talented people in. They they would stop me at the door, and they let you in. It's it's, it's that's just how it's gonna be. And that's just how it is. And you that's understand. what happened to market. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So okay. So we're, now we get to the present. Now you release this book about Valentino Rossi and it's his last year and you talked to did you actually talk to him uh not this year because uh this I mean but last year because they were at the beginning I started like in April uh, making the contact the first interviews and everything so one year ago more or less and at the beginning they didn't want to do anything because they hadn't announced yet he was to retire. It was like everyone knew or imagined that could happen, but they didn't have uh, said anything. So it was first like, wait, because we don't know what's going to happen. So you have to wait until summer. So when we when summer arrived, uh, was that bomb and everyone wanted to speak with him. He had yeah. like a thousand interviews. 
and it was uh, very difficult. Uh, but I have to say, uh, beer for the six, the people from the from the academy, from the company he he has, they helped me a lot. Uh, uh, they put me with Ucho. I talked to Graziano, his father. I talked to Matteo Flamini, was one of his closest mechanics since the beginning. Um, I talked to a lot of people very close to. To Rossi, and that helped me understand some things I wanted to, to know about him. How did that idea just come about that you wanted to talk, I mean, that you wanted to make a book about him? Like, instead of just your actual interview, like some people do a video interview and talk to him about it the last year, but how did the actual book come about? Um, it came not because of me, because I, <laughs> I think... I still think that was a great challenge and I never uh, put myself in there by myself. But one of the greatest editorial companies in Spain, uh, Planeta, uh, they phoned me, they told me I was the one they wanted to write a book about Valentino, uh, a book, a different book, um, as, um, as personal as I wanted. And focus, especially for the Spanish um, uh, readers, because um, Valentino in Spain has a lot of fans. And um, despite all the rivalry with Lorenzo, with Market, he still has a lot of fans. So they wanted something not special, but different, written by someone by someone who is Spanish and can understand that kind of love uh, Spanish people had from for Valentino. So they asked me, and it was that kind of things that you know uh, at, at the minute that you can't say no, so <laughs> you have to go to it. <laughs> Well, I thought I thought one of the greatest quotes, and I don't, I don't think it was your quote, but one of the greatest quotes that goes on with this book, you go, Valentino is not Italian. Valentino is a worldwide origin. When he wins, we all win. I mean, yeah. and that <laughs> nails it. Like, what what does that mean to you, that quote? Um, look, I remember one race, I think it was in Assen, Maybe it was the last race he won, uh, as in 2017. He had, he had a great, great race. Uh, and when I started writing about MotoGP, I, 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 I saw his, like his, his worst moments, the, 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 um, the problem with his leg in in Italia when when he came back when he went to Ducati, so I actually was not um, a spectator um, in his best moments. I I had so, seen it by TV, and the only time I had went to to a to a race before. Mm-hmm. was in 2006 when he lost the championship again, <laughs> Nicky Hayden. So <laughs> that was the first contact I had. <laughs> and it was kind of sad, you know? I yeah. I, I lost the greatest moments of Valentino, no? So but I like remember his, that race. You're like race. bad luck, basically. You're yeah. like bad luck. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I am. 
But that race, I remember seeing him uh, with that big difference, uh, age difference with the rivals. And it was like, whoa, the king is still here. You know, he can do that. He's the best understanding the race. He's the best knowing how to do, what to do, in what moment, when he has to push, when he has to pass someone. Um, and as I had lost all the all the past, mm-hmm. this race made me realize that this guy um, was special, super special, the special one, uh, I guess. What stood out that, that, that made you think, that made you go, he's special? Well, like what stood out to you? Because what you see and what I see, what everybody sees is going to be different. But what stood out to you being as close as you were? His, his, his head, his mentality, kind of he approaches the races, uh, the way he knows what to say uh, at any moment, how to uh, answer a question, how to deal with the rivals, deal in the good and then in the, in the bad way you know right. I remember seeing him speaking in the press conferences when Lorenzo or Stoner were answering a question uh, of the media and he was like speaking with the other one like and then all the flashes from the photographers were like uh, that was the <laughs> the greatest thing of Valentino anything he did was most important that whatever was happening in the room, you know. <laughs> so I think his personality is the thing that, that is more fascinating. Now, when you got the call to do the book, I, and you said, like, you couldn't really refuse, but, like, was it, was it a daunting task? Like, were you nervous? Were you like, were you like okay, I can do this? Because I'm, you have to believe in yourself to what you do. You're, you're a sports editor-in-chief for a major magazine, I mean, for a major publication, you know, in, in, in Spain. So, yeah, you can do the task, but it's Valentino Rossi. I mean, it's like, when, the, when it comes to sports, and I always say people who, tra- who transcend the sport, there's Michael Jordan, there's Wayne Gretzky, and you got to look at Valentino because when you think of motorcycle racing, people always go Valentino Rossi. Whether I mean, if you just mention motorcycle, they go Valentino Rossi. Even before they, they don't even know what MotoGP is, but his name comes up before. So it's like he's definitely at he's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of just greatness in a sport where you transcend the sport. So when you got that call to do the book that you couldn't refuse, did you go, oh God, how do I approach this? Or you like, let's bring it. Uh, it was like, I'm going to do it, but uh, I knew it was a great challenge and a great problem. I mean, <laughs> I, a great problem I had to solve in the better way I could. Uh, and how, how, was a pro- how, how was it a problem? Because, you know, it's Valentino and you're, you're going to write about him. And it's not an official book. It's not a, a, a long interview and then you can... Go through it. You have to. My my goal was to try to yes. know better or understand who Valentino is, not Rossi. Who the person is? Um, who is the person who is hiding uh, um, behind the the character behind the writer? So. I knew that was not easy because in in 12 years in MotoGP, I, I 
couldn't get him. I made like four or five interviews with him and you could never um, uh, cause a problem to him because he always knows what to say. Right. And he he has, he, he's ready for everything. His, right. his mind is like, he's two steps ahead of you. Right. <laughs> so that was the problem. I had a big challenge and maybe the way I see him is not the same that, that Valentino fans see him. So how, how do you see him? How do you, I see had him? to deal with that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but how do, you, how do you see him? As where, as if, I, can, I know fans and I, I'm guilty of it too. When it comes to fans, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so you had to take a different approach. Because, how was your approach? Because I think a great champion like he is, or like market is, they have like, um, like, um, like some shadows, you know, they right. have to hurt them yeah. because they have to be killers. Yeah. <laughs> because if not, they don't want it so much, so many right. titles and so many races. So trying to explain those shadows, it was also my, my goal, no? And trying to understand mostly what happened in Sebang 2015. Yeah. What happened in his mind? How he could, um, how he could commit that big um, mistake? Because he always was the one who knew what to do, and that day or that week, he didn't. He was, he was. I think he was lost. I don't know. If it was the pressure. It was the ambition. Uh, it was the um, that he was obsessed with that that. 10th title but something happened to him and he did the big mistake of his career and I wanted to understand why yeah well you know what I was going to say that but I mean since we're already there th that thing it it culminated it, it, it had its climax there pretty much but what led up to it and I it was to his own demise and I hate saying that because I loved it and it, it hurt to watch because I love both I love both of those guys. And I guess it's like, you know, you're a mother. So it's like, if you see both of your kids, you know, fighting each other and you can't be like, you don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what, like, I, I like this one, but I like this one too. I mean, I love both of them. So it, that's what it's like. And, and it hurt me because I want him to win a 10th one. But, and I'm going to say my point and then you, you can, you can retort. But I felt like that season where people don't realize it started in Mazzano when he was going slow on the racing line and Lorenzo was coming and he got penalized for that. I mean, he got a warning for that. So, okay, remember that one. So then you go to, fast forward to Phillip Island. When, you know, when they're, it's one of the greatest races ever. They're dodging and you know, and Iannone took points from him. But, you know, he talks about Marquez, he looked, you know, when he talked about what he said about Marquez at the presser in Sepang, but it was Iannone who took points from him. And so, you know, when he went to the, the presser in Sepang and Marquez at first thought he was just joking. And I guess Rossi looked at the, uh, the, the, the data sheet or whatever and said, you know, Marquez is in uh, cahoots with Lorenzo. And then after in Assen, I think Marquez got pissed off at Assen because he, you know, took that line. But then Marquez kind of hit him. But I think Rossi knew. So it was all that culmination. And then Sepang was the... And so, so when you came down to Sepang, you tell me how you saw it. You tell me. Um, you just forgot one 
race, it was Argentina. Because <gasps> Argentina... <laughs> Yes, that's why you're there, and that's why I'm here. Yes, Argentina, because when Marquez hit him, you saw Rossi look back like, whoa, because I remember that, because Marquez's tires start falling off. He had like a three, three, no, a seven-second lead, I think it was, and Rossi just bam, bam, start bringing it, and then he came, and I remember Marquez came in and bam, and hit him, and Rossi looked back, and it's like, (laughs) you you almost see him go, I'll show you, and he cut his nose off, and that's when Marquez crashed. And nothing happened. Market crash, and market has has also good memories, you know. And he's also a killer. And that was when 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 everything crashes, you know. You you have to to put Argentina. You have to put um, Asen, and and of course uh, Malaysia, Malaysia in the in the equation. But you also have Misano, as you said, and we also have Aragon when uh, Rossi get super uh, angry with Pedrosa because he warned him. It's like Pedrosa didn't have the right to warn him at that moment. Yeah, I, <laughs> what happened? Yes, I remember after the race, Rossi goes, why did you race me so hard? Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, Pedrosa, yeah. honestly, Pedrosa and and. Pedrosa didn't get the credit he deserves only because he didn't win a world championship. But everybody, everybody to a person knows, take away the injuries and Pedrosa was that yeah. guy. And he really was. And I just hate that he never won a championship, but he raced Rossi like Rossi owed him money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. I remember, and I remember him going, why did you and race all, me so hard? all that details, I think there were like uh, getting into Dorsey's head because he was like losing small little points in the championship and um Lorenzo was not having a good good luck but he was super fast and the combination of all these things I'm losing points and my rival is super fast I can see that because they know when someone's fast I can see Lorenzo is not lucky he's not winning but it's super fast because Lorenzo was faster in almost every practice until the race then the races always something happened until they arrived to Philip Island and and then Lorenzo I think he he, he saw he had the the point there uh Philip Island Malaysia they were that were uh, tracks that he liked a lot and he knew if he arrived to Valencia with a big chance he could beat him because Valencia is not a good place for Rossi he hates his, hates hates that circuit yeah. and hates the memories he has there I think yeah so I mean it's okay so all those and you're right I forgot about Aragon I forgot how Pedrosa uh, but you know what's it's what's crazy about that is and I think it was easier on Lorenzo because it's almost like he and Marquez were battling each other and and Jorge was slowly like yeah. and and so next thing you know like he's winning the championship and that's that's the way I looked at it so and it's like it's almost like it's almost in a way like a relationship where you're losing that person you know yeah. like you don't talk and enough you don't and, realize and you don't re- and by then it's like oh by the way that's hey, something listen. bad's yeah. happening <laughs> we need to talk uh oh <laughs> when, okay. when, when that when that happens it's over so okay so Sepang uh, so what is your what do you say about Sepang if you just talk about Sepang what happened that fateful hot day in Malaysia uh, I think it's not a day, it's like a week and a half when they started 
thinking that something strange happened in Phillip Island race. And for the rest of the world, nothing strange happened in, in Phillip Island race. But um, Valentino has always relied and be super faithful on their on his on his friends, especially Ucho. And Ucho, it was a long time that he said, "Market is not your friend. Market just want to beat you." And at the end of the race, uh, as soon as Valentino gets into the box. Ucho went there with an iPad with, with some numbers with everything and he started to show him you know, can you see what Market did here? He was um, doing the race um, slower, he was trying to slow the, to slow down the, the pace of the race and then he started to, to put a new, a new rhythm and he was playing with you and that got into Valentino's head. That and, and all the things his friends had talking before. Market is not a fan of you. Uh, Market is going to beat you. And with all these um, uh, things is how we arrived to, to Malaysia and to the, the Sepang press conference in Thursday. That... I think the most of us were super surprised about what Valentino said. Now, do you think, okay, what's your personal opinion? Do you think that Marquez did sabotage uh, Phillip Island that night, that race? And the only reason I said that maybe there's two things that made me go, hmm, was the fact that he made up, what, was it a second or half a second on that last lap? Uh, he made up a half a second. I was like, that's, I mean, it may be in a second. I got to go back and watch, but I remember he made up a lot of time in that last yeah. lap. And then Honda didn't release the data. And I was like, huh. And that made me think, so what do, what do you think? Uh, it's true that he was super far from, from Lorenzo in the, last, in the last lap. And it seemed that he came from nowhere. Uh, but... It's true that all those days they were always complaining about the tire that they have, the front tire. They had a lot of problems with that uh, because it overheat and they have to lower the pace and then again try it. And that was, he was racing those days. So actually it was not a big difference with with what was happening. No? Uh the thing is that, uh, and with the data, we have another chapter. If you want, we talk. We talk. We talk later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because it's so so. It's too much. <laughs> but uh, what I actually think is that market has always raced, uh, trying to win the race. So he doesn't matter if Lorenzo or Valentino are fighting for the championship. He just want to win to race for himself. And that was being a shitty <laughs> year for him because he had a lot of crashes. Uh, he didn't like the bike. He had problems with the front tire. And when he had the day and he had the pace, like in Phillip Island, he just uh, wanted to, to get that opportunity, you know? And I think that's... that's 
a big thing. He never uh, wanted or thought about, I'm going to be, I don't want to disturb him, you know? He wants to disturb anyone if he's going to win. He doesn't matter. Uh, so that's, uh, I think that's the point. So basically, basically, Mark was in it for himself at that point in Phillip Island. He was in it for himself. Because, I mean, no offense, but at that point, like you said, it was a shitty year for him. He was like, man, I got a finally a chance to win a race. You know, I, I'm not going to win a championship, so what the hell? So you think that once Valentino said what he said, it triggered him, and he goes, oh, you think I was with Lorenzo? Now you're going to see me. Yeah. Uh, be, and then yeah. that's, when, yeah, that's when all hell broke yeah. loose. I agree. I agree totally with that. You think I'm racing against you, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. because of me. Yeah. So now, now I'm going to race against you. And I, that's what he did in, in Malaysia. And I think with Valentino... He, he, just, he just disturbed him all the time. He passed him. He let him pass. Um, yeah. yeah. It was like he poked the tiger. He woke, the, he woke up a sleeping tiger. Because the, the tricks that Valentino used against his uh, former rivals, that worked back in the day. But he came against... Mark, and that was a different animal. That was just yeah. a different animal. Yeah, because the psychology didn't didn't work with Mark. Yeah. <laughs> it hadn't worked with Lorenzo either, I think, um, because he is, he is uh, very strong-minded and he's different, he's special. Mm. But, but with Mark, it was like uh, he had the... the an effect he didn't expect. <laughs> really? So it was not, I don't mind what you say. It was like, you think, <laughs> you think I don't want you to win. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now you're not going to win. <laughs> if it depends on me, you're not going to win. <laughs> so yeah. on the actual, actual. We, we can't forget Valentino, uh, uh, Marquez and Lorenzo were never friends, never they never had a good relationship or whatever. They were actually rivals. Lorenzo was super hard with market when he arrived to MotoGP. Uh, he was always saying he he was crazy. His his style was crazy. He was um, he 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 didn't like anything how he he approached the races and how he treated the rivals. So they were not friends or anything. Uh, so okay so do you think uh, that the actual incident the actual incident where it all culminated and Marcus what do you think happened in that actual because I've watched every angle possible and I still don't know so what do you think what I see and I don't know and I think all of us we can have thousands uh, of, of different opinions on that what I see is a rider fed up with his rival, uh, tired of uh, uh, of dealing with that race every lap with with two three uh, passings uh, that seemed there were there was no ending for 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 that battle. We had seven laps and it was 22, 22 passes, I think, if I don't remember badly. Uh, so at, I think the lap before, he, he, he looks back and he says something like, like stop that, you know? Yeah. 
and, and of course market didn't stop and at that point it was like I'm gonna close to you and put you off the track for you to understand you're not uh, having a good behavior <laughs> like, like a father that is putting his child in a in a corner and yeah. please think about what you're doing yeah. and in a in a moment of confusion I think because Mark it was like slow and he close to ballet and then he thinks okay everything's good I, I accelerate you know in that moment Valentino has like a reaction I think he didn't thought he didn't think too much about it and he just kicks uh, Mark like everything happens in, in tens of a second so right when you first saw it, what was your first reaction? Oh, I, I remember I I got crazy in the press in the press room. Like, what? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> he kicked him. I can't believe it. He kicked him. And I remember I said, This is the war. <laughs> Everything exploded. This is the war. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It was a war it was a war declaration. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was it the was. end of, of everything. You know what? In a way, it kind of changed MotoGP forever. I mean, if you really think about it, if you really think, I mean, there was rivals. We've seen stuff, but I don't think we really seen anything like that. I, I, I mean, there was actually the Rossi with the uh, with uh, Sete, and and I, and listen, I like Sete. I really do. That was kind of funny. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it was funny. He always, he always lose. He always lost again. Rossi. We had a showman here, a very famous TV showman, and he did like a like a sketch uh, most of the nights uh, that we had races. And he was like at the, at the phone, you know, a big phone like yeah. we had before. Yeah. Sete, what happened? Again, what happened? <laughs> oh, poor you. He was always doing that sketch. Oh, Sete. <laughs> poor Sete. That's the image we, we had those days. Poor Sete. <laughs> you can't get over that poor Sete. You should have yeah. a t shirt that says poor Sete. Yeah. Because. In that case, psychology did work. Did work yeah, perfectly. Yeah, it did work on him. Okay, so yeah. you talked to other people about Valentino. What was the, the, the consensus? Like, what, what's the through line with Valentino that, that we don't know? I mean, we all know, the, you know, like you said, the valet's in front of the camera who knows where the camera is at all times and who says the right things and he's funny. But what was the through line between all the people that you talked to that about Valet that surprised you, that made you go, Really, or what you find out about him? When I started, or when I started knowing all that people in the in the paddock, I thought there was like it was like a like a tail around Valentino, you know, because everyone you ask uh, could tell you big stories, super nice stories about how he was as a writer, how intelligent he was, how good friend he was. And when you actually talk to them a lot, you realize that maybe it's not the same truth you see, but it's it's their truth. They feel Valentino is part of his family. 
people from Tabulia, from the Bureau 46, they're not working for Valentino. They're working for a friend. They're working for one of them. Valentino makes that people feel they are one of, of, of the family, no? one of them. And all the things they say, they explain you, is because they feel it. They feel, they, they adore him. And they adore him because he knows very good how to, to treat and to take care of the people who is working with him or around him. Um, and you don't see that in a lot of, I mean, in most of the writers. Wow. So he's more like a fan, like a hands-on, like, like, I don't know, like a, like a friend. Like you said, it's not working yeah. for a, a, a business or a corporation. You're working for a friend. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the chief, but he's also Valentino. For them is Vale. Vale, yeah. the greatest champion. Vale, the, the greatest writer ever. Vale, the greatest Italian they, they could reach, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. As, was there any, like, uh, Maybe disparaging things said about him, like where anything anybody any said any bad things or vitriol things about ballet. Um, the people who could say bad things about ballet didn't want to talk uh, with me for the book. You know, and, and uh, you don't have to give any or, names, but who were they? Like, like <laughs> in what in what capacity were they? Were they other writers? Were they other? They team? were they were writers. They were rivals. Uh, no one. No, there's no more people in the part of that. I mean, well, you can you can find a critic uh, point of view of what happened in Sepang, and I and I found it on people from Yamaha. They they couldn't say their names, but they explained me a lot of things uh, from Wilco Silenberg that was the last year year working close with him that he had lived all that episode in Yamaha uh, with Lorenzo, as you can remember. Mm -hmm. And he has a very critical point of view of what happened. Uh, he understands um, their friends uh, made him think a lot of things that maybe were not um, realistic and he made a mistake. So, so he explains it and, and he has no problem uh, to give his name and put uh, the quotes on the book, you know? Wow. But to actually speak badly is very difficult. And if there's someone that who could, uh, who could, for example, market or, or market family, <laughs> uh, they didn't want to do it. Did you ask Marquez or his family about uh, Valet? I, I, I ask, but they didn't, they didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to talk about it at all. I think because uh, he he suffered a lot that year after after 2015, that that winter and that 2016 uh, championship. He suffered a lot with with people with bad. Uh, with people who, who push him, who criticize him. And, and I think he choose, well, I know he choose um, to answer on the track. So that's what he was obsessed about winning 2016 championship. So okay. I, I think it was that year he told us he had lost some hair. Do you remember? 
because of that. that because of the pressure. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> he had like a like a small hole in his head <laughs> without without her because yeah. of the pressure. I you know I remember I, I just remember like um I, and I was it's weird but I remember last year the the last race in Valencia it was Valentino's last race and I just remember you know Marquez was hurt and he didn't participate and I was kind of glad because I just felt like it would have took a little bit away from Valet because I think people would have been watching to see if he would have went and congratulated Valet or if Valet would have even acknowledged him. So it was, did you ask him, did you ask him about that? Like would, would he, I mean, I think I read somewhere recently that he said he would have acknowledged him, but I don't know if that was true or not. So did you ask him about like that last race? If he was there, would he have went up and acknowledged Valet for that last race? I haven't asked him about that, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> He uh, was uh, thankful of not being there because he know as as you uh, uh, was thinking as you were thinking that day. Yeah. He he knew that day. Everyone was expecting for him to say anything or or to congratulate him or to say goodbye or whatever. And. And he was at home. He couldn't be there, so uh, he had not that problem. And maybe I'm not right, but I think Alex Marquez was the the only rider who was not in the last press conference. Really? I think so. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I'm making a mistake, but I think so. Well, you yes. know. I- Alex, you know they're not they're not actors they feel what they do so yeah, they're yeah. not that kind of people that that uh, wanna look something they they aren't you know well the thing about it is Alex kind of had nothing to do with it. it was between you know that's my that's my brother you know what I mean no but, but he suffered because yeah. of his brother right right that's a that's a hard that's a hard that, that whole situation was just bad you know <laughs> yeah. now do you think. Do you think it tarnishes a little bit of Valet's legacy or will always, I mean, just a little bit of the shine? Because until then, he was that beacon. And even though he retired and everybody chanted his name and he went out like I loved how they partied in that paddock. It was beautiful how they carried him on. And I thought that's, that's the way a champion goes out. I mean, it seemed like he was at peace. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, you know, you, you were close to it, closer to my end, but it seemed like he was at peace finally because he had his girlfriend and she was pregnant. And, you know, I think everybody was expecting him to cry, but he didn't. And he just went out the way you should with a party. And he finished. I mean, don't get me wrong. He finished the top 10 and he said something that said he goes, I'm still one of the top 10 in the world when I retire. Yeah. And that, that that hit me hard for some reason. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Like, do you think that little thing, that little thing with Marquez, take a little bit of shine off 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 him? I I didn't saw that that day or that weekend. I didn't saw a minimum of of uh, Marquez that weekend. It, it it also helped that he wasn't there, obviously. Right. right. And I think it was better for for everyone, for Marquez and for Valentin. Yeah. And it's true that there was. Everyone crying from Thursday to to Sunday, yeah. but Valentino, no, he right. he he. We didn't saw him cry yesterday a bit. Yes, yes, dancing, 
adaptos Maradona song, you know, or yes. Visto Maradona or Visto Valentino. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great, great moment. And as you said, I think he was totally in peace. And I can see it now. Um, the, the difference with other riders, because he's still racing with cars and he's not every weekend in the MotoGP races. He has other things to do. Right. In Mugello, I think he didn't came to the races on Sunday because he had a concert. Yeah. So he has a life and that's great. I mean, a lot of champions, they don't know how to deal with the, so much time when they retire. No? Yeah. And, and, and he knew. Now, did, did, you, did you cry that last race? Did you shed a tear? No, 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 no. I was like super emotional, but, but, but no, I remember that party in the box, inside the box with the, with the song. It was mm-hmm. super nice. And well, you, you, I mean, I like seeing people super happy, uh, like Cucho. He was, he was crying a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was super happy. What's I think the- because they, they, they could Think about how many things they shared in their lives, no? And that's super nice. What's the most surprising thing about the whole with the, about the book, talking to people about Valentino, the one thing that it stood out for you personally? I know you're talking about, you know, that everybody's like, it's like working for a friend, but what's one thing that stood out for you personally? Maybe in just something small, but maybe a mechanic said that he picked up a lug nut for. But what was it stood out for you personally about hearing the stories about Valentino? What I love the most is to know better um, what kind of relationship uh, Valentino and Nucho have, and they were. We all we all know they were friends since they were child. Mm-hmm. But to understood how this friendship started and and grew up and made so strong uh, for me was special. And Ucho explained me everything in a super long interview. He was super kind, and we had never had this kind of um, relationship before. And that interview was great. And he could explain me that when. Um, Valentino's parents get uh, divorced. He missed a lot of tabulia because he went to live with his mom and he went to live uh, to another small town. Super close. It was like seven kilometers away. But he missed a lot of tabulia. And he wanted, he tried to come back every time he could. And most of the days they spent the afternoon playing and when it was night and he had to come back home, moms, both moms spoke on the phone. And <laughs> Anucho mom told uh, Stefania, uh, Stefania, uh, can Bali stay home? He can sleep here. There's no problem. Okay, okay, no problem. So that was the beginning of a great, uh, great, great uh, relationship. Oh, I think it's super, super nice when you're you're a kid, you're suffering because your parents have had divorced right. and you look for someone very, very close to, to be with you and to share everything with you. No? And that's you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What do people what would people take from this book? Or what do you hope that people take from this book? 
when I read this book? I hope Valentino fans don't hate me <laughs> because how I uh, explain Sepan crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've tried, actually, I've tried. I don't, I never been polemic and I've never looked for that. I just wanted to understand actually how a great champion like him, uh, who always took the best decisions, uh, made the biggest mistake the year he could reach those 10th title because he was the, the leader from Argentina to Valencia and he lost the race there with that desperate moment, you know? Yeah. And I would love that my goal that was understand better who Valentino is, not Rossi. Mm-hmm. Uh, that what what people can take from the book. Did you? I understood much more and I love it. I loved it. Is this your greatest work to date? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the most challenge. And yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. I feel super proud. <laughs> no, that that's great. I mean, honestly, because you're dealing with a legend and that's yeah. and that's not easy. And like you said, I mean, interesting to see. I hope the Italian fans or just the the Rossi fans will will, you know, embrace it and they'll respect your point of view. You know, a lot of times if you speak against what sometimes people look at as a god, they you know, they you know, maybe what do you call it you whatever but i hope that they respect your book and i hope they pick that book up and they hope they enjoy it that's what i hope they enjoy it i mean you seem like a a, a proud mom on that book i can just tell <laughs> yeah. i can just tell you're wonderful I, smile. I know you've never she's so, never smiled can, that way when we met each you. other look <laughs> at that i love it oh that's beautiful does valet know about it does valet know about the book I, I, uh, we published it last week uh-huh. and I give it as a present, uh, in Momelo. He wasn't uh-huh. there, but I gave it to, to Georgia Fratesi from the beer, uh-huh. uh, 46 and also to Ucho. And I hope he, he likes it. <laughs> I hope so too. I really do. I hope so too. And my God, I, it's always, it's good. It's just good to see you smile. Like I said, I was telling my producer, man, I don't think this woman likes me at all. I mean, I know Terry set it up. Thank you so much, Terry. She no, set it up for I'm, me. I'm super serious working. I don't know why yet, but. Oh, trust me. I can tell. I was like, man, this woman hates me. Trust me. I've been enough last no, calls. Wait. I've been enough last calls and bars. I know when women hate me. <laughs> I thought she hates me, but okay. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Thank you so much for your time. I, I mean you. it from the bottom it was of my heart. A great chat. <laughs> it, it was a great chat. I loved it. I could have talked forever about just racing and you. I think you're very fascinating. I didn't even get to the part about the Dakar rally and everything else, but I just appreciate your time. I know you got the little ones to attend to. So thank you so much, Nadia. I appreciate thank you. you. Good luck on the book. It's going to be great. Uh, is it out? It's out now in, in, in Europe, right? Yeah, yeah, because they just uh, published it like last, the 1st of June, so okay. eight, and, eight and days we, ago. And where can we get it in America? Uh, I hope you could, but I, I I don't know yet. And I know they were thinking about doing a version in English, but I'm sure it's not ready yet. Okay. When we find out, we're going to update it. It's, this will be released in a couple of weeks. We'll get an update, whatever. So if you guys are big Valentino fans, you'll get the book. Nadia, <laughs> thank you so much. Go tend to your children. You. I appreciate you. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm BT for Tales from a Gemini. Thank you guys for watching. You know how I say it by this time. You know the word. 
Bye.